Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Oh, 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 it's Mac and Bo on your radio, baby. You guys are the most entertaining sports program in the world. My <laughs> cahoots are over here, and your cahoots are over there. Okay, I'll leave yours alone. Are you punching yourself over there right now? You're I'm pumped up. Have they even ever made mistakes? You make one every day. My soccer daddy right there. Oh, okay, okay. Well, thank you for calling me daddy. Yeah, Mac and Bo, get him, baby. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see tonight where he is... You know, not like most guys his age. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, so he gets in foul trouble in the first half, which kind of, you know, some guys wouldn't be able to come back. Um, had a couple calls that could have gone his way, didn't get the calls, and then he makes huge, huge plays in the fourth quarter. If you watch him, you know, he's got great self-confidence, you know, and he competes so naturally, and that's the way he is in practice every day also. Couldn't say enough good things about Brandon Miller after the game. I mean, there were about two more questions, long answers. You can tell, you know, Bone brought up earlier, everybody says, oh, Cliff doesn't play rookies. You can tell this is this is a rookie, as he said there, that does things and has an understanding of the game at both ends that Cliff really enjoys, man. He's used to rookies, you know, maybe not being ready. Brandon Miller's ready, and he was definitely ready, Bone, when he drilled those two threes. Late in the game last night, they were absolutely mammoth by the kid. Onions, Boney. Onions. Also, it's the fundamental. It's the little things, Mac. When he gets to the ball in transition, his head is up, right? He's looking for other guy. He was looking for veterans last night in transition, Mac. So he's not just getting the ball and attacking the rim. He will at some point, but he gets the ball. He's looking for his team. He's a passer as well. He's He's got that ball in transition. He's looking for guys on the wing, and that's – He's, he's, he's well advanced in terms of his IQ of the game. Oh, definitely. And that's only definitely. good. And when, when Cliff trusts him to play the crunch time minutes in the first game he's playing in, and it's Clifford, and he doesn't always necessarily run towards the rookies. That's a great sign for what this kid's going to be. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, and by the way, I think he's a, he's a he and Mark Williams, two young guys that I think are a foundation, foundation pieces for an yep. improved defense around here long term. 100%. You know, because Miller can play – you know, with his length, can play all different positions out there, switch things on the perimeter. And then we saw what Mark Williams did, especially in that second quarter, disrupting, altering shots on the drive to the basket. He went toe-to-toe with Clint Capella last night. That's not easy to do. Clint Capella, Mac, most times he's going to get he's going to get the numbers he, that he got last night. But Mark Williams, eight years younger in year two, game one, he capella Capella last night, basically. Yeah, right? look how similar they are. Yes. Mark had 13 points, 15 boards. Yeah. Capella 15 and 13. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it was. And, and again, that's the type of player we want Mark Williams to be, right? Rebounds, block shots, alter shots, energy, roll to the basket, throw down a, a, a lob dunk. By the way, Terry Rozier, multiple textures have pointed this out. It's a great point. And Cliff said after the game how good Terry was. He didn't just score 24 and hit a couple of real big ones late. But Terry Bone played some really good defense. And specifically, like the couple textures are saying, on Trey Young. Trey Young went four of nineteen, and I thought uh, I thought Terry was a big part of that. How about what we did to their backcourt in general? Seven of thirty-three from the floor for those two guards, Murray and Trey Young. 
beautiful Ooh, defensive yes. performance. I know maybe, yeah, maybe they weren't shooting well or whatever. The only three Trey Young hit was that lucky ass thing where he was trying to draw the foul. He tried to like throw his leg and his body out to draw the foul. Yeah. And the ball somehow. It's the only three he hit the whole night. It was like and, 40 and, seconds and left. And that, that helped. You know, he was off, but you know, that, that helped. And that you thought there was going to be a stretch there where he took over the game. He took over in terms of points at the foul line. But he only had nine points last night. Trey Young did. That wasn't from the foul line. He had nine points. That wasn't free charity strike points. Uh, that's, that's, that will take that every time against Atlanta. So great start to the season. They rally from 11 down, like Cliff talked about. Uh, Bone, here's a question for you and for everybody that's texting in. First of all, I mean, I just love the fact that this is how they opened. And um, as somebody pointed out, Mac has changed his tune in 24 hours. Yesterday, Bone, I was like, whoa, is us. I'm not excited yep. about this Hornets season. And here I am. I can't wait to watch Hornets Pistons on Friday. They've already, they do. They, in 24 hours, they've got me now. Here's my question, though. What did you see last night, Bone, that extends throughout the season? Like, you know what I mean? Like, for example, what's the one thing people are saying about PJ? PJ, you got to do, you know, you got to stay consistent. You can't have those, you know, two for 13 nights or whatever. You got to be consistent. What do you think? That that happened last night in the opener, like that you believe this is gonna this is gonna stick. Mark Williams' defense and activity, uh, we knew that he's gonna be good, but we look, is he gonna be a dominant scorer? No, he's probably gonna hang out a lot of times back into that thirteen to sixteen range. He's not gonna take outside shots, but I think Mark Williams' activity, his defense, that that's going to be a thing that's gonna live as long as he's here for a long time. Mac, I do by the way have. The contested shot numbers from last night around the league. That's a number? Yes. He was 15th in the league last night and contested shots with 11. He contested 11 shots last night. But if you look at the guys that are in that category, it's Evan Mobley. It's Porzingis. It's uh, Jokic. It's these big, it's these, it's these guys that are seen as like defense. Like there's a lot of defensive Sabonis. It's a lot of the name. Derek Lively, by the way, was second in the league last night with 15 in game number one. But it's a lot of like these defender type guys. So Mark Williams is a good company with that number. Do they do they say how many were made? Like what was the? Or it is just that says, not a stat? It just says contested shots. Because I wonder what the percentage was. Because in yeah. that second quarter bone, everything he was contesting was missed. Yeah. And then right after that was the snatch heard around the world. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm calling it, Bone. You, can, can you print a T-shirt for me? A snatch <laughs> heard around the world. He went up. It was Trey Young, too, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it Trae was. Trey Young goes up for a finish in a lane of Mark Williams. Like, Give me that, kid. Yeah, he was Give me that little fella. He was tied, was beautiful. With, he was tied with Walker Kessler and, and Capella for contested two-point shots last night. They all had 10. Okay, nice. And one three-point contested I shot. was going to say, Bone, that... Um, that doesn't also count the uh, activity in terms of knocking he, a rebound away and all that stuff. There was a three he contested once in college, Bone, I believe. I was just kidding, man. I was just trying to annoy you. <laughs> Give me one for my birthday, Bones. What a moment. Birthday. Let me get away with one jackass moment. No? All right, what, Bones out of here. What an unbelievable moment <laughs> At there least for you Mac. liked it, and the Tar Heel oh. fans liked it out oh there. Oh, my God. I love beautiful. you, Mark Williams, and I love the long hair dude, bro. I love everything you got going on. I think you're getting stronger. Look at Bone just solemnly walked out of the studio down the hall. Like, he wants to cry. Did I just make Bone cry? I wasn't what I was trying to I do. I hope so. <laughs> but I agree with Bone. Mark Williams feels, I guess Flounce the co-host now, Mark Williams yeah, feels, oh, here he is, he's walking back solemnly too now. He, It, it feels like this dude's going to play his role on both ends of the floor, be that energy big, 
and he's going to do it year after year. Like I just and we I, looked for so they, stoked, the Hornets man. looked for him for how long for that type of person for how long and for him to be that this early in his career. I mean, the sky's the limit for this. I know. I'm excited. I think that was a great answer, Bone, about Mark Williams being something that sustains. It's been two hours. I put up a tweet about your birthday, and I said in the tweet, you are the greatest to ever do this in Charlotte Sports Radio. Oh, I didn't see that. And That's then nice. two hours later, <laughs> I got a new balance to the biscuits. I don't know why I said that, because I like Duke, too, so I shouldn't have said that. You Bob. know that that you know is I mean? a sensitive issue. Mark Williams would dunk me through the rim if he heard that joke. You know what I mean? Like, I love this kid. I shouldn't be doing that. And the fact, you know you know what sucks about the whole moment now, Mac? What's that? Is that Mark Williams and Duke got beat by an Arizona Wildcat. <laughs> that, I, I'm telling you, it's the funniest thing. It's like Caleb Love hit that huge shot, but Tar Heel fans can't stand him now. He's, it's he's, it's he's, so complicated. Caleb Love is a villain of both fan bases. <laughs> it's so complicated. That's true. <laughs> kind of like Josh McRoberts. He's like the only Duke guy I saw that both fan bases hated. All right, let's talk yeah, about... Josh McRoberts is the, the one guy not in the brotherhood. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about about this um what was it <laughs> lamello lamello so i don't know and maybe i shouldn't like i want good vibes on this show we already are going to discuss that lame nba player poll that voted the hornets fans as the worst fans of the damn league later so maybe i should should stick to good vibes but it bothers me it bothers me bone that a takeaway from a i don't know five six texters this morning is like bagging on LaMelo Ball. Listen, was his first half bad? Yeah, it was. But did he hit some big shots, especially in that third quarter, but bit four big threes in the second half? Did he still end up with a double-double and six boards to go with 15 points and 10 assists? See, that's the thing about LaMelo. He can have an efficient, inefficient shooting night. And do I wish, Bone, that he would have less of those? Yes, I do. Do I wish that his shot selection would approve? Yes, I do. Um, but with that said, though, Bone, He's the type of player that can have an inefficient shooting night and still help the team in multiple other statistical areas. It's right. not the worst thing that he had an off game shooting wise and they still won the game because other guys stepped up because we know more times than not, LaMelo is going to carry them. He's going to be one of the positive guys that we're talking about. And even in an off game, he had 15, 10 and three turnovers. So, yeah, shooting wasn't great, but that's fine because guys stepped up. Why Again, we live in this world where we have so much positivity from the Hornets game last night. P.J., Miller, Mark Williams, Rogier, Hayward played healthy last night. We have a lot of stuff to focus on that's not negative for one time. But yet, a certain population of our audience has to live in Miseryville. They get their mail sent to to one two three misery lane. They want to have something negative. If Lamelo is your biggest takeaway in a negative way last night, then you don't know ball. You don't know ball. Not just Lamelo ball, basketball. <laughs> I <laughs> see what you did there. Enough. They just, people just want to be so mad and angry. I'm tired of angry people. Every day we deal with people that are mad about something and complaining about something. Just but enough to stop it. Here's the problem. Look what it did to you, though. What? Now you're angry. Oh, I am. You know what I mean? Like, they're doing, they're winning. They're hashtag winning because they're miserable, and then they spread the misery. I hate that, too, when I fall for the miserable trolls. Like, if, if your takeaway this morning was, I'm going to go and text these guys about how bad LaMelo Ball was. That's just, annoying. Let's just save let's your text. Let's enjoy the win just over save a rival. Your save your text somebody else, all right? <laughs> I go got, text Bo and Beth. Well, we do have some great text in here. L listen, is there a conversation to be had once we get into the season? Hey, 
What do we feel about LaMelo's progression and stuff like that, right? You know, um, yeah, there is. But one bad half, he does a lot of other good things in addition. To, he was loose with it in the first half. I don't think he had turnover in the second half. Outplayed you Trey know? Young last night, did he not? Definitely did. Yeah. Uh, speaking of outplaying. Well, you, do, you don't hear that from the text line. No, Put no. that in your pipe. <laughs> speaking of, the, of, a, of a text line uh, uh, comparison, uh, we have a texter that says, Mac, Brandon Miller, more points than Scoot Henderson in his debut last night. You can suck it, loser. That, wow. is, a that is a happy birthday text, if can, there ever was one. So can I say that the, the main story right now at CBSSports.com is Scoot Henderson debut, a complete dud. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had 11 points, only 5 of 11 shooting, 4 assists. Anyway, I didn't even advantage, give you Brandon Miller. I didn't even give you the stats because I knew you already knew Scoot's stats from last time. I did not know that. I had to look that up. I was not paying attention. My guy's Brandon sound game last Last night, two big threes, late, and a dub, baby. Uh, how about this one? This one's well played. There were there two that are well played about Stroud and Young's basketball prowess here. Um, this texter says, is it possible Bryce Young, with all this basketball point guard skill we're hearing about, might be a better backup point guard for the Hornets than starting QB for the Panthers? Get out of here, sir. I'm not laughing. All right, I'm not laughing. And not to be outdone, Bone, this texter says, the Hornets drafted the wrong guy. The way C.J. Stroud apparently shoots the ball, he should have been the number two pick also of oh, the no. NFL draft. Oh, my, I can't. <laughs> I can't. That's clever. Y'all are, are, are telling funny stuff. Well, when we come back, we have Hornets tickets to give away. Oh, that's right. For a game next week. So stay tuned. You're going to have a chance to win some Hornets tickets. You want to see this team, Mac, because we don't know when this undefeated run may stop. So get in now. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Leading us into the campus corner, Cannonball Paul says, Wes, I don't always agree with you. That's fine. But I'm in total agreement with Jordan Travis being your number one. He's having a great year, and he gets better every single week. His will to win outside of his great play is part of why he is such a special player in person. Well, isn't that sweet? All right, here we go, folks. Let's get to the campus corner. Fitty's already got my music going, and so let's talk about it. Drake May, when he comes out in this game, and they take a big L to Virginia, I feel like that this this is a rhetorical question, but 24-48, 347 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He's definitely got some big games left on the schedule for North Carolina, so he's going to have to do a hell of a lot to make this happen. But did the loss to Virginia dash the Heisman dreams of one Drake May? I don't think so. I Wow. I wouldn't call him the favorite, though. Okay. Well, I don't think it killed him just because Caleb Williams also. I mean, I guess, are we just saying he's done, too, probably because they uh, lost? Oh, a yeah. couple games. Oh, yeah. So if, if we have this much of the season left to go and losing one game is the problem, let's go to the guys that are above him. Shador Sanders, who had been playing excellent, okay. was rising up quarterback draft boards. He, Drake May's eighth in total yards past, uh, passing right now. Mm -hmm. Shador is fourth, but there's too many losses. I don't mm -hmm. think you're going to give it to Shador Sanders. Then you're talking about Jaden Daniels for LSU, who has a couple of losses. LSU is underperforming. Really, the favorite should be Michael Penix Jr., or mm -hmm. as I called him one time, Michael Penix. Okay. And so if you're asking if Drake May is the favorite, clearly not the favorite. Uh 
I'm not sure he was the favorite before they lost to Virginia. Okay, but yeah, but he was a guy that was in the mix. He, no, he, he definitely was. had New York. He was in a New York state of mind. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. And I, I still think he could get to New York, especially with how much season is left. And he's not going to be the favorite, but I still think there's plenty of season left for him to get back to New York. Uh, Yeah, I love your optimism. I think you should definitely get you a job on his uh, Heisman crew. You know what I'm saying? But when you look at the latest odds... Depending on how well it pays, I'll take it. MGM, uh, his current odds are at plus 5,000, which puts him ninth. He's right there. Caleb Williams is at 11th. As you brought him up, he's plus 10,000. But the favorite, a guy you forgot to say, the current favorite right now is J.J. McCarthy from Michigan yeah, at plus JJ. 240. He and Michael Penix are sitting right there at 1-2. Jaden Daniels is 3. Jordan Travis is 4. And Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma is 5, which to my surprise, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is at 7. So, uh, when you look at that crew, I think that for Drake May, it's going to be really hard to overcome a loss like this. Uh, because, like you said, a lot of people are going to look at, well, hey, and we can go back through history and look at some Heisman winners definitely taking some questionable losses. But I just think that one was so bad, a historical upset for them. I think at this point, Drake May would have to run the table, continue to be on a tour pace, and just put up numbers that are just out of this world. So, uh, But, Fiddy, what do you think about this? Is your quarterback still in the Heisman hunt, or do you feel like it's a wrap? No, it's a wrap. You lose at home to 1-5 Virginia when you go 24 or 48, you don't deserve to win the Heisman Trophy. That might be true. One thing I think about when we start to, and allow me to continue for my client, Drake May, as okay, I continue to work for his campaign. <laughs> but man, when you throw for, what was it, 350, 347, if I'm not mistaken, in uh-huh. that game, this is what we do at the end of the season for every Heisman hopeful. Mm-hmm. We're going to count up all the stats. We're going to account for that loss, but then people are going to go back and look at that loss and know he wasn't amazing. It's not like he was the reason they lost. You put it more on the defense for allowing Mike Hollins to just run all over him. And they got lucky defensively because Mike Hollins fumbled the ball out of the end zone. No doubt. North Carolina should have lost by more probably. And Virginia kept giving them chances. But it was the defense that got more so lucky. North Carolina, that was the first time they failed to score 30 all year. And it was 27. And there was the third and 12 if you wanted to try to put context on it Mm -hmm. and it goes out of his hands and that was an amazing throw in my opinion awful play call in fourth that's what Fiddy was talking about with Chip Lindsey so I just think when we go and we accumulate all the stats especially with how many more games we have with how many teams are left on the schedule with the fact that so many other guys too or a few other players also lose their Heisman hopeful when you have bad losses like Caleb Williams or Shador Sanders is falling out of the wayside, right? Mm-hmm. I just am not ready to, you know, burn it up. I'm not ready to set it on flames and say he's not getting to New York because really top four has a chance to get to New York City. Mm-hmm. And these odds, they shift so much from week to week. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a shot for him to get top four. Well, also, too, when you look at this Virginia matchup, man, and like I said, if you're a Heisman guy, that special player that leads his team out of peril in many instances, like I said, you look at Carolina in the second half of this game, one touchdown, their drives went touchdown, punt, field goal, punt, downs, interception. Uh, they have 14 total drives in this football ball game, a minute 37, average time of possession. Uh, this team was just out of sorts offensively. The average number of plays in their drives were six. So I think that the quarterback for good or bad, we give them all the credit when Carolina plays well. You got to give them the credit too when they play bad. And that's we haven't unacceptable really been giving from a Heisman all hope. the credit though. Uh, you have. 
I've talked every about time we talk about why they'll win, it's because of Drake May. You get mad at me with Drake May. I don't. I'm just telling the truth. Every time we talk about Carolina, you your rationale for them winning or the success they will have is number what 10. Ha- what happened with South Carolina, what I say? You said that Drake May was going to be. What I say? You said Drake. You said the defense. You've given the defense. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But still, the the crux of your reason for loving Carolina is number 10. Well, Drake May, if he's going to be the number two overall prospect in the NFL draft, I think a lot of people are going to put that guy affects the game as much as they do. No question about it. So he's going to be a big reason why they win games or not. The reason that they were undefeated was because the defense played so much better last year. And the defense let them down in a monster way Mm -hmm. against Virginia. Virginia, mm-hmm. which was a terrible team coming in. Yeah. And no, Drake May certainly did not have his best game. But this is a team, too, that isn't even relying on Drake May as much. Amarion Hampton is the leading rusher in the ACC. No doubt. And so when you have a running back that leads the team in the AC or leads the league in rushing, and you have a defense that have been playing as well, you have the ACC sack leader, too, in mm-hmm. Cayman Rucker. So those are the reasons as to why I was more high on him this mm-hmm. year than last year, even though I still thought he was a good player. Yeah, yeah I, Drake May, Michael Penix is the reason that Washington's in it. Shador is the reason why Colorado yeah. is playing so well. But the defense is what brought them to that extra level. And Omarion is definitely, he's a great player. I like him a lot. He's benefiting from Drake May a lot. Drake May is still the ACC's leader and one of the top 10 yeah. in the country in total offense per game. So he's that guy. But the thing is, we always talk about Heisman and moments. And so that moment for Drake is not going to look great. And the thing for him is, is unlucky for him is Clemson is not Clemson. So when he goes down to Death Valley, he doesn't have a chance yep. to have a moment there. The Duke game, sure. But I think in the eyes of the voters, that's going to get outweighed by Washington still got USC, even though USC has completely fallen off the wagon. But he's got big matchups against Utah coming up, Oregon State. And Washington State still a solid football team. So they're going to be his chances. But the big one. Well, he's the favorite. No, and I'm not, well, I'm not going to sit McCarthy's here. JJ the favorite right Well, and, and JJ too. Like those two guys are your, I'm not going to argue that. Drake May should be ahead of that. No, 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 not at all. And so for J.J. McCarthy, I think right now he would be my pick. Uh, I think that he's got two monster games left on the schedule to really secure that Heisman. When you talk about November 11th at Penn State and then November 25th, we know what that game is. It's the game. And so I think your Heisman winner, in my opinion, is going to come out of that matchup. If Marvin Harrison Jr. has a ginormous game and they win, I think he gets it. I think that Marvin Harrison continues to climb the charts. And if J.J. McCarthy continues down the way he's been playing, balls out. I mean, he doesn't have a some just eye-popping stats, but he's got a few 280s, some 270s in there. So that's what I think right there. Real quick, though, Emmanuel Acho brought up the fact this oh, no. is almost foul line words. Oh, man. no. I was of course, so if it's Acho. Listen, he talked about and suggested that Caleb Williams should sit out the rest of the season because USC doesn't have anything to play for. Let me tell you right now, if Caleb Williams decided to do that, you would see just fire and smoke coming from Concord out of my brain and ears for how irritated I would be with it. I'm so angry. Okay, we'll let's do this it. to yeah. see whether this is a flagrant. I don't even know if I want to see that again. <laughs> You've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> Listen, I'm so sick of this culture in college football that if your team doesn't have anything to play for, you need to sit out. I'm so sick and tired of it. I don't know what to do. 
call me old man, get off my lawn, whatever the case may be. Can you guys stop thinking about money for one damn second? Okay, if you decide to show up for summer workouts, if you decide to sign up to play for the year, then you ride with your teammates all the way to the end. I don't want to hear my my pro prospects. If, if I get hurt, it could be over. Well, don't play at all then, okay? If you want to do that, just sit out, go to the uh, local L.A. Fitness or wherever the hell you want to go and train for the NFL draft. Don't come out here and play with us and definitely don't quit during midseason. And then these guys get on TV and they lie. Oh, hey, hey, Caleb, that, that's my man. I, hey, if he's going to make a choice, his family he's going to make a choice. Hell no. Nah. If I was his teammate, I'd say, I don't want to talk to you. Get the hell out of my face. Don't come in here talking about you down for us. And then when the chips are down, which you played a part in it, and he hasn't even done this. This is all speculative. This is a speculative foul line, okay? But don't come stepping <laughs> in talking about, I, 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 I don't want to play anymore. We don't have anything to play for, and I don't want to hurt my knee. Okay, listen, we don't want to hear any of that nonsense. Acho, take that garbage, this whole culture of uh, we don't have anything to play for. I'm only going to play if we can play for the playoffs, and I don't want to hurt my pro prospects. What about the guys in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s that were top prospects, and they played all the way to the end? There was no crybaby. I'm thinking about the money all the time. Caleb Williams, I'm getting sicker of this guy by the day, okay, with the constant demands. I know they said that the percentage thing of the team might not be true, but I just want to say if this is the case, if for some reason the last couple of games of the season that Caleb Williams decides not to play, that will be the final stake in my NFL draft. Respect for this man. I already don't want him because of the attitude I see. You throw three interceptions against Notre Dame. You come out there against Utah. Plenty of drives where you had a chance to win the game. You didn't do it. Don't blame the defense. I don't want to hear any of that, even though their defense is trash. Kayla Williams has played a role in them losing these last two games and for the third time in a row to Utah. Get the hell on with that logic. Please stop it. Okay. And I'm done. It was fantastic. There's a couple things going on in my head right now that I want to address. And ask panther bow Wes said go to la fitness lol yes we apologize to la fitness for anybody <laughs> that goes there still hilarious though big cat dan total agreement here wes's hurt voice is elite 704 preach yes very similar text messages that we get when we go foul line my question is though because you've been leaning that way for a little while and i understand why like yeah. i get it with caleb williams not really feeling him in the nfl draft Wes, you know who number two overall prospect is. Yeah, I take him. Over him. Do we play celebrate, City? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do we go with celebration? I like the way Drake May plays, man, because one thing about Caleb Williams, too, when you start to break it down, man, he holds the football so long looking for the big plays. Drake May, man, when he gets to that bottom of his drop, that ball is gone. He knows where it's supposed to go, and he's going to deliver the football. And the guy that I was talking about, uh, the first-round mock guy, he had a good nickname for him. He called him Mr. 60 Minutes because he Mm -hmm. said that he is – consistent throughout the whole game. Yeah, he's going to have some tough games. Yeah, I downgrade him because he lost to Virginia. Every quarterback's going to have some tough losses. But yeah, with Caleb Williams, man, it's just starting to be a little bit too much. If you're in the NFL and you draft Caleb Williams, then the only th- if you're the opposition and you're facing Caleb Williams, all you have to do is call Utah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a strong head coach to deal with Caleb Williams and everything that's, that's coming with him, apparently. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay 
continues next, only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. There's a football game on Sunday, and you can join me and Chris McClain. Uh, I would say bright and early, but 10 a.m. is not bright and early. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. from the Jack Daniels Doghouse inside the Audi Charlotte Studios. First thing Sunday morning, me and Mac got the only Panthers pregame coverage that you will ever need, and uh, we hope to see you there. But let's talk about that game with a guy who knows more football than I do. He played the position, former NFL quarterback, proud Southern Cal Trojan, mornings at Sports Talk 790 in Houston. Our good friend and one of the best to do it, Sean Salisbury, is back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What's up, brother? How you been? KB, I'm doing good, and I am a proud USC Trojan, even though they can't play defense, and I might be able to throw for 500 against them. Other than that, all is well. (laughs) Trojans can't get a stop, but other than that, all is good, and... Uh, this should be, you know what, it's, I think it's an intriguing game, even though the record may not say so. And we know the matchup, obviously, but, hey, I think it's a danger game for the Texans, considering when you're pissed and you are uh, embarrassed and you're not playing well, that sometimes when you've got nothing to lose but another game, as we've seen it here in Houston in the past, the things can change. So I, I don't think this is a comfortable game coming out of the bye week for the Texans, but it's great to be on with you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate you doing it. Um, I know you're a busy man. You you host multiple radio shows and you've got your own company, so we appreciate your time. Um, Honored, brother. Let's talk about, just start with Stroud, because obviously here back in the spring leading up to the draft, it was Stroud and it was Young and a little bit of Richardson, and that S2 cognition scored, scared a lot of people off. Not everybody, clearly. Um, But, you know, he's down in Houston now and he is thriving. Why? You know what, too, Kyle, what's, what's ironic about it is that the, the cognitive test, which we, we know processing of information may be as important as you do that's the non-thing you can put your finger on, right? Accuracy and arm strength and size. And it just goes to show you some guys, whether they don't test well, because, you know, one of the big compliments and one of the things people are noticing here, and I've watched every throw he's made in the way he's handled this these first six, weeks, six uh, games of the season, do you know it's processing information? Bobby Sloak, who came from San Francisco, and it's a lot of verbiage. They put him in, you know, they're starting to get this feel, and the guy is aggressive with the ball. People think, well, he's only throwing one pick, and they're three and three. It's the Texans. Of course, you know, they, they don't have, you know, Justin Jefferson on their team, but you know what they do have is a quarterback who understands, but he's not just checking things down and playing horizontal football. His, he pushes the ball to that second level about as good as any young quarterback you'll see and he's accurate. And the command he has now tells me he's starting to understand four week and blitz pickup. And so the ironic, crazy thing about it is the one thing that he, when you say got marked down for, yet he was still the second pick of the draft, was his processing or at least the, the, the test score. Well, fortunately for the Texans, they saw through that D'Amico Ryans in the front office and Nick Casario said, no, 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 we, we got to have that guy. And the throwing's not a surprise to me, though, Kyle. You know why is it he... And Ohio State for two straight years, he was one of the three or four best players in America back-to-back years when it comes to throwing the ball. So this isn't new. He's been doing this since he was in high school. The question was, the windows are going to get tighter. Ohio State has all these magical receivers, and, you know, the windows are big. Could he throw to coffee can size windows? Anticipation, because 
with the way they played at Ohio State, you could be a little late and still get a guy on a big dig route, and you, you'll still fit it in there, and they'll go run after the catch. Well, throwing it's not the problem. And his, he's, he's underrated movement, but his, his the command and the way he throws the football with accuracy, and he's aggressive, and he's only going to get better. This was the right pick for them. And uh, I couldn't be happier because he has, quite frankly, changed the way we're approaching offense. And, and in six weeks is doing more than – I promise you than 90% of the people in this town expected this soon. How much of that is, is due to Bobby Slowick, the best offensive coordinator that no one's ever heard of? Uh, a lot of it. I, I, now, when I say a lot of it, Bobby doesn't have the ball in his hand. Bobby doesn't, you know, isn't out there checking plays off when there's four week and you only got three to block him and hot reads and all those things. But I'm a big believer in the week leading up to it, how you teach and every guy didn't get taught the same. Every guy, you got to make sure you bring them along at the right speed, and you want them to, you know, keep up. But rookies, it doesn't matter how smart you are or what your academic GPA is or how quickly you process information. You're still a rookie. You're still swimming, you know, like the water polo guys. You know, underwater, their feet are going 100 miles an hour. On the top of you, like, how are these guys so calm? That that's I'm sure during the week that's part of how he looks, but. He's been able, on in a really uncanny way, to slow the game down for CJ. And CJ has taken is some way somehow. You know how that re- that relationship goes when a quarterback and a coordinator feel good. And Gerard Johnson, his quarterback coach, same way, calm, and he's playing like it with urgency. He's not hurried on Sundays, so the game's slowing down. So his feet are moving urgently. His decisions, he's getting through his progressions. But he's not playing hurried, and that's for a lot of it. Bobby Sloak from Kyle Shanahan and we, D'Amico Ryans and other guys from San Francisco, how they taught it and the way they you know, developed players was impressive. And in San Francisco, think about it. Well, Bobby, he, he went through three quarterbacks last year. He's been through Jimmy. He's been through uh, Trey Lance. He's been through Brock Purdy. I mean, over the last few years, there's been some different bodies there that he, about five or six of them, that Bobby had to, as a passing game coordinator. And so he's he's getting better too. So that relationship and the way he's teaching it and the way that uh, CJ is responding to it, it shouldn't surprise anybody that he's throwing it. How he's getting to those decisions is really impressive, and Bobby has a lot to do with that. Sean Salisbury out of Houston. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Um, somebody said KBM getting sick hearing Sean uh, glowing about CJ Stroud like this. Get him to say something nice about Bryce Young. Um, so I, I, I'm among those. I'm sorry to cut you off. I still th- I've seen a lot of good from Bryce so far, and I don't think the situation here, protection or you know pass catchers, is as good as it is down there. But I'm still high on Bryce Young, Sean. Where are you? Give me the truth. I am too. I listen, and this isn't because I say it on my show. I just not care. I'm not. It's not because I'm on in your in your city. I, I loved him coming out of school. Talk about a guy who's a football savant processing information. It just goes to show you. First of all, the NFL's tough. And we all have to, as media and as fans, I know they're 0-6. I know we say, well, what if now, well, if they're gone back, and what if Stroud would have been the first? Like, yeah, well, if my aunt had stones, she'd be my uncle. Okay, I, I get it, okay? I, I get it. But, man, we got to slow our roll, KB. We do, and we're all guilty of it. We think that the second you walk out of, off a college football campus, no matter where you've played, if you're a first ten, top ten pick, we think you're going to be Mahomes, Burrow, Elway, and Marino in one. Slow down. Marino, Elway was like, was getting booed in Denver. Aikman was like 1 in 10 or 1 in 11. We got to let this happen. And the team's got a long way to go. They're young. They, they don't protect the quarterback. I don't care if he's got feet or not. You could be the best runner in the league. If you're getting knocked around and they're blitzing him, it, it can be confusing. 
slow down. Bryce Young is going to be fine. I understand the start, but our team right now has got a better roster than Carolina does, the team here in Houston. They're overachieving at some positions. The offensive line play, although they've been hurt like crazy, they've, they've kind of piecemealed it together, and they're protecting him better, and he's getting the ball out. So I don't know. You don't have to. Nobody has to force me to say anything nice about Bryce Young. I tell the people here, I say, we're fortunate to have C.J. Stroud, but be alert this week, but also slow, slow our roll on our expectations. It's absurd. Uh, in any of our jobs, think about our job, KB. Yep. Could you imagine walking off a college campus and them throwing you on a show and saying, you haven't, you know, you haven't trained for it a little bit in college. You took journalism classes, but here you go. You're on morning or afternoon drive and go do it. You don't think from the first day you're go back and listen to your first show. I ever. sucked. Sean, I say it all the time. Sean, I say it all the time. I sucked early on. <laughs> Who didn't? <laughs> I remember my first time on TV, you're trying to get 8 million things in. When you come up, go back and look and say, dude, you're not selling a FedEx commercial word. I positively have to be there tonight. Slow your roll, dude. So let's give him time to build and and learn. I think Bryce Young's going to be a really good player. I'm not caught up in all the, the measurables about, well, he's not tall and that. I hope he stays healthy and can stay healthy. When he finally grasps it, you watch now, and they get players, he's going to be a better player. We need to slow it down, and I expect him to do great things, and I've seen some growth from him, and he's only going to get better. We're fortunate to have C.J. Stroud, but if I was Carolina right now, I wouldn't want to be – I wouldn't be thinking about another quarterback. It's always easy to do it after the fact. Bryce, Bryce Young's going to be a good football player. If he's not, then that's just the league. Guys need other opportunities. But we're way too early in this to be calling him a bust or a failure six games in that he hasn't played in all of them. Uh, well said. And, Sean, I don't want to keep you long, so I'll let you go on this one. But I, I am very curious, given your history in the league, but also having been there in Houston for a while now, in the same division as Indy, where Frank Reich spent the past several seasons before he got here. Um, you know, a lot was said, a lot was made about this coaching staff, how much money they spent, all the names they brought in. Dom Capers, Jim Caldwell is sort of like the uncles to come over, you know, oversee everything. I mean, they spent a lot of money on this coaching staff. And, um, you know, Frank called plays for the first several weeks, but he gave that up two weeks ago. What were your impressions facing Frank Reich twice a year? What would you make of him being hired here and, and what he's done so far? I, I always felt that Frank and having played around the at the same time Frank played, um, I knew his team was going to be, and I know when you're 0-6, you say, well, are we well-prepared? Yes. Dom and Frank and the group, yes, they'll be prepared. I think it's a good thing. I think it's really hard. I do. Even as long as Frank's been doing it, I usually don't subscribe. Now, there's some, there's some outliers. Kyle Shanahan, there are guys. Sean Payton's done it. I usually, especially when it's the infancy of a team, young players, I prefer somebody else to call the play. I don't usually like my head coach because you've got so much to do. Manage fourth and one. Should we punt here? Where are our timeouts? How many times in, with the Chargers and Brandon Staley and around the league have we seen guys that are smart football coaches that are the dumbest game managers on the planet? And you're saying, well, you're calling defenses too in, in L.A. with the Chargers. You know, just, just, just focus on being the head coach. And I know you've got to trust somebody. I think it's good that Frank put that aside and is trusting that it's time for him to oversee it all. I think it's a good coaching staff. They've been around a while and experienced. They're not going to put it. It's not going to be for lack of knowing what they're doing, but sometimes you've got to be able to think outside the box and get out of your, get out of the, it's almost like an old school manager analytics or feel in baseball. Sometimes you got to add both the analytics and feel. It just can't be old school feel. I like Frank and the, uh, we've, they've always had respect for him in this town. And I think across football, he's widely respected, but he also has taken over a, a team here 
that I don't think anybody expected to win the division. So be patient. And Frank knows how to coach. He didn't forget. It's not just coaching. It's how do you lead people. It's not just him. It's the whole coaching staff. Managing tasks is, is what I call it. I don't manage people. You lead them. And so it's easier to lead when you're winning, but it's really tough task to get them to stay bought in when you're 0-6. I like Frank, and I think he's well-respected. It will get better. You always bring it. We always appreciate it, brother. Be well. We'll talk soon. KB, thanks. Appreciate you, man. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.